0: Welcome to Winning Ponies. With a weekend coming up, this is the spot to be for news, handicapping, and spotlights featuring the winners behind horse racing today. Now, here's your host, John Engelhart, racing's regular guy.
1: And thank you for joining us for another edition
0: of Winning
1: Ponies. Hope you had a slew of winners over the weekend. This week on the show, we've got a first-time starter interviewer and a long-time handicapper. The first-timer is Dr. Harvey Diamond. Uh, he is behind Sky Chai Racing. Uh, he's a doctor from Louisville. He manages uh, Sky Chai and... Uh, got some interesting stories Uh, as you may recall some of the horses that uh, they bought in on were uh, Hanson and General A-Rod twin spired but uh, there's a great story out there I think he should get an award for last year's claimer of the year and that's the big hoss and we're going to be taking a look at the race the big hoss is in on Saturday the grade two two hundred thousand dollar Mac Dermita down at Gulfstream Park. And then our second guest, no stranger to you if you're in racing, and that is handicapper Dan Illman will be on with us. Dan, uh, one of the smoothest presenters of the thoroughbred sport and really does a thorough job at all the tracks, although his home base is in the New York area. He's from Brooklyn, New York. And, of course, uh, this week the big race there is going to be the Grade 3 Gotham on the line and derby points. And we'll see if Sonny Ridge is Dan's top pick. Uh, He looks to be mine, but uh, he always comes up with some great angles, and we'll see if there's some upsetters in the field. So those are our two featured guests, and uh, that's just one of the races we'll be looking at. Also a very good day At Gulfstream Park, Uh, as I said earlier, the MacDare Media is going to be on the card. That's a grade two. Another grade two, the Gulfstream Park Handicap, a half a million on the line there. And then the very one stakes. That's $150,000 grade three, so a lot of great action in New York and Florida. And, of course, when you go to uh, handicap that great action, the first place you want to go is winningponies.com. Pull down the easy win forms. I hope you did earlier this week. Let's see. We'll travel across the country on the east coast. At Gulfstream Park, we had a $1 super high five that paid just over $5,000. And then out on the other coast, San Anita, a $1 super box, $4,586. Let's go a little bit south. Sam Houston, a $1 pick five, paid 4514 And then down in Florida, had some nice hits at Tampa including a $0.50 super high five that paid $2,837. So mix that with our guest handicapper selections and you should do just fine. You also may want to use it uh, because this week the first free-to-play online National Handicapping Championship qualifier, it's set for Sunday. Uh, You go to horsetourneys.com and uh, they're going to give out four berths to the NHC tour, the big one at the end of the year. I should say next January. Uh, So to register for the contest, you go to horsetourneys.com. Now, to sign up uh, for the NHC, you need to go to uh, the NTRA site, www.ntra.com, and go to the membership section. I went in there today. And so basically you'll become a year-long tour member for $50. But remember, this is only the first of five free online Qualifiers, so you're getting a pretty good deal. Uh, if you want to do the math, it's about ten bucks a contest, and that's not bad at all, uh, considering the money that lays down the road for you. Well, of course, you know we've been tracking the Ultimate Kentucky Derby poll uh, that has uh, many of the top handicappers across the country, and no big surprise who's on top: Mo Heyman, with his impressive victory over Zulu in the Grade Two Fountain of Youth kept him on top. Now. The horse that uh, he's probably going to cross paths with Nyquist is raced right there. So let's take a look at some quick comments uh, from the experts uh mohaman got 257 points that's 11 first place votes and uh he is now 545 and looking every bit like his 2.2 million dollar keeneland yearling price the way he did it was just so authoritative and he came back looking fantastic uh nyquist is in second right now with 231 uh first place votes he had two 230 overall votes now just found out that today that Doug O'Neill moved his workout schedule up, and he did have a solid workout today, and uh, there's expected rains out on the West Coast, so uh, O'Neill called an automobile and moved it up. In the number three spot is uh, Moore Spirit, a horse with three wins in two seconds and five starts. The four is Gun Runner, 187 points behind him at 167, is Brody's Cause, a horse that looks like he'll have no problem with distance as the races get longer. Zulu got moved up in the standings to number six, and then uh, Exaggerator, who couldn't run down Nyquist in the San Vincenny, still gets number seven. He's another horse that looks like he'll do well as the distance get long, uh, Mo. Tom is number eight, who just had a terrible trip uh, down in the Risen Star, uh, got uh, bumped about on more than one occasion. And then in the ninth spot is Green Point Crusader. Another one looks like he'll get good, a superb pedigree uh, that should get him the distance. And then on the outside is Dancing Candy. So those are currently the experts' top ten picks in the Derby. Now, here's some more uh, breaking news. A yearling brother to American pharaoh was privately sold. Yes. His yearling full brother has been privately sold by his breeder, Summer Wind Farm. Now, They're not letting out the terms of the transaction. They're not going to reveal the buyer or the purchase price for the son of Pioneer of the Nile. Uh, It'll be uh, very interesting. Doesn't uh, really look like him. I guess he's got uh, four white legs and a blaze, and uh, the horse's name is Irish Pharaoh. So we'll find out if we can get any leaks and get any information about uh, who he went to and maybe uh, how much they paid. Of course, his dam, Full of Philly by Tappet, and she's going to be bred back to Pioneer of the Nile, so there'll be another full sibling to American Pharaoh. Now, here is some tough news down in Florida that uh, the training center at Payson Park is under quarantine. For 21 days, now this is going to have impact on the racing centers down in Florida. As a matter of fact, it's impacting some of the stakes we're going to look at with Dan Hillman uh, later in the program. But the the general manager says that uh, upon the recommendation of the uh, vets in Florida, a 21-day quarantine begins immediately. So all horses on the grounds uh, will have to remain there. Let's see some of the trainers we're talking about. Christophe Clement, Shug McGahey, Roger Atfield, uh, among many others. So uh, neither Gulfstream Park or Tampa Bay Downs will take any shippers from Payson Park. Okay, on the good news front, really solid guy, Jackie Terry Houghton, reached the 5,500-win milestone only the 20th North American jockey to ride 5,000 winners alone uh, at Mahoning Valley Racecourse. Uh, TD's been through a lot of physical ups and downs over his career, but he's always come back. Uh, He thanks his uh, family for all his support, uh, his his agent. And we're going to find out a lot more about TD Houghton, as they say, next week because he's going to be our first guest on Winning Ponies. Overall, Houghton's ridden in 33,000 races, and his mounts have earned more than $54 million. While on the jockey scene, Javier Castellano wins Jockey of the Week, and uh, rightfully so, his talent shined down at Gulfstream Park, where he won four races on the Fountain of Youth card, including three stakes victories on his way to getting... Jockey of the Week honor. So uh, congratulations to him for the week. Castellano won 11 times from 34 starters, and his horses earned 500 plus. All right, here's some great news, that they're keeping older horses in training, and a lot of these older horses are back on track. Let's start with Spendthrift Farms champion, Beholder, the champion older female of 2015. She's now six years old. She went three furlongs in 36-3. and So don't forget, she's uh, been a multiple champion. She was a champion at two and three. So the Richard Mandela trainee behold her back on track. And this is good news, Lady Eli recorded her first breeze at Palm Meadows. Uh, You may recall that uh, after winning the Belmont Oaks, she stepped on a nail. Laminitis kicked in. They weren't sure if she was going to make it, but through the great treatment that she had, she is going to be back. Now, remember she is unbeaten in 6 starts with earnings of over 1.4 million dollars. And another champ on the track, it was Untappable who is now starting to work down at Oaklawn Park, the Grade 1 winning daughter of Tappet. Looks like she's going to point to two races at Oaklawn. Uh it would be the uh apple blossom and the azari so it's good to see these uh, veteran champions back on track uh, one more thing the uh Sailed down at Florida, really producing some top courses, And uh, no surprise that the leader was a son of Tappet that sold for $1.8 million. And also, uh, I understand that uh, Dr. Harvey Diamond was down there doing a little shopping himself. So, tipped Tipton, very happy. Uh, the average up to 327000 from $225,000. alright right, let's go back and look. At last week's races, I want to thank our friend Frank Angst for joining us for handicapping the races. First, we'll go to the Express Bet Fountain of Youth. No surprise here. It was Mo Heyman getting the job done. He was fifth, third, second, just got shown the whip by Junior Alvarado and won with plenty in the tank. He wrapped up on him for the final, oh, maybe 16th. He had to avoid a bump on on the first turn, uh, but again uh, looking not too bad was Zulu, a Todd Fletcher son of uh, Bernardini, who came into the race two for two. Uh, he held on at four to one, so he'll probably improve after going uh the the mile and a 16th distance for the first time. Now, uh, we know that Songbird is the champion from the West Coast and is undefeated, but we've got another new girl on the block, and that is Catherine Sophia, sent away at 1 to 5. It was her first time. Going a mile, she'd been going six furlongs and then two seven furlongs. Uh, of course, we announced last week Joel Rosario recovering from injury. Javier Castellano got the call. This was one of his big wins on Saturday. Remember the name, Catherine Sophia, trained by John Service. She, again, like Mohamed, was just shown the whip in the stretch, and she absolutely exploded at the eighth pole. So, Catherine Sophia, look for her to be heading to the Kentucky Oaks. Again, in the second spot, here was Lewis Bay, and third was Dearest. On to the 11th race, it was the Grade 3 Palm Springs going a mile and a sixteenth on the turf. Now, uh, these were three-year-old boys, so some of them uh, might decide to take to the main track. You don't know. The uh, winner was Converge. Javier Castellano was up. Beautiful ride. He had to split horses late and got the win aboard the Chad Brown Trainee Converge. In the second spot was Giant Run, a nine-to-one shot, and finishing third was Ausby who uh, had to wait a little bit. Uh, he was one of the speed horses. We were wondering uh, if they were going to last or not. But again, Converge, not nominated the Triple Crown, three year old out of the Chad Brown barn. And then the final race we looked at with the Blood Horses, Frank Angst, was the Canadian Turf. And the winner in there, no surprise, at least in my eyes, wire to wire was heart-to-heart. Heart. This horse had been facing the toughest competition in the field. Julian Paru, three wins in a row with the Brian Lynch trainee, heart-to-heart, heart, captures the Canadian turf. And the second spot was long on value. That was uh, Frank's pick, so he gave out the exact in there. And uh, in the third spot was number two, diverser dario or i'll leave that up to the track announcers to announce again we're going to be doing some more handicapping with dan Elman at aqueduct and gulfstream park but right now we're going to catch up with a first-time interview here on winning ponies and we're going to be talking with dr harvey diamond from louisville take a little bit of a break and we'll be right back you're listening to winning ponies Is a beauty. was a fly ball deep right field. thought goes O'Neill. He's at the shot. Got it. With 2.8 seconds He's left to left. I don't care where they put him. This one is out of here.
0: From high school to the pros, we, <laughs> we, cover, everything. we cover everything. Let your voice be heard. Voice America Sports. And they're off. What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with WinningPonies.com, the home of the easy win form, the most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let WinningPonies.com make some money for you. Your internet flagship station for sports. sports you're tuned in to winning ponies with your host John Engelhart got a tip for us All right. Well, I was
1: told by my good friend, Jenny Reese, that I would enjoy an interview with Louisville's Dr. Harvey Diamond. He's the founder and racing manager for the Sky Chai Racing Limited a lifelong horse lover, and uh, he's uh, been involved in the business for a while. You'll recall some of the horses uh, that he's been involved with, Uh, uh, Twin Spired, who was second by a nose in the Bluegrass Stakes. Uh, uh, He probably doesn't even remember meeting me, but uh, he won the 2008 Cradle Stakes with Night Action. Uh, He had multiple stakes winner, Cherokee Triangle and of course, was involved with a couple of big ones recently in Champion Hansen and General A Rod. Uh, the, the story that I read that Jenny wrote, though, was about uh, obviously uh, Doctor Diamond's got a pretty sharp eye, and uh, he decided to go in with a partner, uh, Jim Shercliffe, and uh, and and pick out the big horse out of a claiming race. And this horse has to go down as one of the best claims in recent racing memory dr diamond welcome to winning ponies
2: hi john uh, you can call me harvey i'm not on call tonight
1: <laughs> oh that's too bad i was going to ask you about this thing i got <laughs> growing over here but i guess we can't so uh <laughs> yeah harvey um uh, w- welcome to the show uh, let's l- let's you. start uh, with uh we w- i gotta hear the story about the, the origin of this claim but how did you, you first get involved in racing are, are you a, a louisville native I am um uh,
2: born and raised and uh I guess uh it was in my genes and from my father who used to um he would even take me out of school and on a doctor's excuse and take me out to the racetrack where he taught me how to handicap and um about 1980 I started getting involved in buying a horse here or there and um somewhere Around um, 2006, I would say, it really kind of took off between Jim Shercliffe and myself. And uh, we got involved with another gentleman, uh, uh, David Koenig from Sand Dollar Stable, and um, met Mike Maker. And he kind of, um, every time we went to get a horse, he'd step us up a level. So uh, pretty soon um, we were having some very nice steak horses.
1: Uh, obviously, you were. How did you uh, get involved with Hanson?
2: Well, at that time, um, Mike was training um, Hanson for Kendall Hanson, and um, we had just bought a uh, horse at the sales, a two-year-old tappet ourselves. And um, it was a morning that they were both going to work out of the gate, and um, Hanson was about 15 lengths in front of our tappet, Um, 100 yards out of the gate and I looked at him and said you bought us the wrong (laughs) tappets and uh, what I uh, learned later is um, if you like the uh, tappets or the Hanson, stick the gray but um, Kendall was looking to sell a part of his um, of Hanson and just he, uh, Mike suggested us And he gave me a call, and one thing led to another, and we were able to work out an agreement um, about six weeks before the Breeders' Cup.
1: Picked a good time.
2: Uh, Yep, and, uh, you know, uh, Mike Maker said, um, this horse is going to win the Breeders' Cup, and if you want to win, get in on it.
1: Wow, well, that was pretty exciting. I mean, outside of the Kentucky Derby, uh, the, the, those are some of the best heights in in racing. Now, um, back to the the, the the horse in question, the Big Hoss. Uh, tell us about the day that you made the decision to 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 jump in on this horse, who has since since become a multiple graded stakes winner and may add one uh, to his resume on Saturday.
2: Well, hopefully so. Yeah, we were. Um... I guess this was the last Sunday of the meet at Churchill Downs last spring, and we were sitting in the turf club, Jim, uh, Mike Maker, and myself, and Mike doesn't bet, he was just kind of sitting there looking at the at the entries waiting for his next race, but Jim and I were handicapping. and I picked three, and um, I looked at... Jim and said, do you like the one horse in the next race? And he said, yeah, I, th- I think I'm going to single him. And I said, I think we ought to claim him. And luckily we had some um, money in the box. And Mike's statement was, well, why don't we go downstairs and take a look at him? So he and I took a walk down to the uh, clubhouse turn uh, to kind of eyeball the big horse. And he was walking by, and I looked to my left, and I saw another trainer that I knew, and I knew he was watching him also. Um, but anyway, uh, he won the race, and we shook four ways, and we came out the winner.
1: Wow, the racing gods were uh, on on your your side uh, that day, Harvey, for sure. Well. Um, yep. what, what key did Mike find to this horse? Because ever since the horse landed in his barn, I mean, he came right out of the gate with a little bit of luck getting placed first through a uh, DQ up at Saratoga. But since then, right. he's just been stepping this horse up and the horse just seems to thrive on it.
2: Well, I don't know. Sometimes he just, um, he's very keen at looking at a horse and figuring out a horse, um, what seems to be the best for the horse. And I don't believe that anybody had um, had tried this horse over a mile and a sixteenth before Mike got him. And he just looked to Mike like a marathon horse. And that's the opportunity we gave him, and it all proved to be true. So he came back, won his next stakes at Saratoga, um, he's been very steady. He's a very consistent horse, uh, had a number of jockeys on him and he seems to have performed very well, um, regardless of who, uh, has ridden him. And if you look back through his form, he's won on every surface. He's won on the dirt. He's won, he broke his maiden on synthetic, uh, and now he's winning on turf. And my partner, Jim says, "Oh, let's give him a try on, uh, dirt to see how he'll do. But it's hard to um, uh, get off doing a good thing. It's sort of like changing uh, the color of your silks when you're winning.
1: <laughs> Absolutely, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Well, Mike's done yeah. a great job with this horse. I mean, you claimed it for fifty thousand, and now in just sixteen lifetime starts, the big horse has won over seven hundred and three thousand dollars he's a five-year-old by lemon drop kid out of a touch gold mare so he's going to have residual value down the road uh, as a stallion too you know so he's probably especially when they run long light like that harvey they they usually don't hurt themselves they kind of take it easy on themselves
2: well I'll, I, uh john from your mouth to the racing god's ears <laughs>
1: let's let's keep it going that way well um i do have to mention uh because of what i did bring up the residual value of him as a stallion and he's probably still got quite a bit of a racetrack life to him um that uh you also uh were involved with, with uh, a really nice horse by the name of uh twin spired uh, by one of my favorite sires harlan's holiday and uh you took the move like a lot of people are doing these days, and you moved the horse into the Ohio program that seems to be a program taken off. And so he spends his breeding time in Ohio, but he's the house horse at Churchill Downs.
2: Correct. Um, um, I met Robin Murphy, who is, um, uh, owns the farm up there in Ohio, through, the, through a clocker at Churchill Downs. <laughs> and he said, You might want to try meeting her because um, I think uh, a twin would fit real well in her program. And um, we, uh, I, before he we even went up to stud, John Asher at Churchill Downs approached me and said, I want you to think about this. You don't have to give me an answer now, but we'd like to have Twin Spired uh, stand as our house horse uh, in the Derby Museum. So we were able to get that worked out. So yeah, he has a a dual life where he spends about three months a year at Churchill Downs and he spends the breeding season at Robin's uh, farm and then he's got a few months in between where he just kind of takes it easy.
1: Well, I will tell you, Robin Murphy's an outstanding horsewoman. She does a great job. And probably about the same time you were running, she got a broken-down Tappet turned over to her. She took the horse along, took it a horse slowly, got the horse fixed, ready to roll, gave it to Tom Amos, and ended up being a stakes-winning son of Tappet on all uh, dirt. Uh, synthetic and turf. So, uh, she really knows how to handle a horse. And let me tell you, she can handle these stallions too. They come out of their stalls and they don't, they don't fight. They don't do anything. So uh, I wish you nothing but the best of luck in the Ohio program. But from what I understand Thank from you. Jenny too, that, um, you're really trying to, uh, let's say broaden, uh, sky shy racing and perhaps, uh, you know, Bring in some new partners, some new blood. Certainly, you've, you've already been to some racing heights. I don't know how much higher you can get, but it, she made it kind of sound like you, you were willing to try to uh, bring in some people and get more people involved in your operation.
2: Right. We want people to know that this is fun, and we don't want anybody going into it that thinks this is an investment like uh, making an investment in real estate or stocks and bonds. You've got to love horses. And you've got to be—you uh, have to realize this is a high-risk uh, investment, and most of us uh, are not going to make a lot of money. But we want to have a lot of fun doing it. And if you're that type of person, uh, contact us. We'd love to work with you.
1: And how would they go ahead, Harvey, and contact you?
2: Yeah, they can find me on Twitter, Facebook, on Sky High Racing dot com on uh, a website
1: well that sure sounds easy enough and like I said and my phone uh, number I, my I,
2: phone number is there
1: okay well you know I, I heard from uh from Jenny Reese, that uh, you would be a fun person to get involved in, and coming from her, I gotta I take that as gold. So, uh, thank you very much Good. for being on with us tonight. Uh, I wish you nothing but the best for Sky High Stable. Now that I'm saying it correctly, and really, I yep. uh, uh, hope you have a great time down at Gulfstream in the Grade Two Mac Dearmeeta. The 12th race, a grade two, the big hoss has proven that he is a big hoss. We've been talking with Dr. Harvey Diamond from Louisville. Best of luck, and thanks for being on the show. Thank you, John. All right, we're going to take a little bit of a break. and One of our favorite handicappers from the Daily Racing Forum, Dan Elman, is going to join us, and we're going to break it down from New York to Florida. You're listening to Winning Ponies.
0: The fans now have a voice to speak their mind. No holds barred. They need a bitch's ass and then move on. I just, and get I just ready think that the coach made a mistake. you crazy. <laughs> NFL, MLB,
1: NBA, NHL. Speak up. Speak up. Or forever hold your mouth. We
2: ain't playing around here.
1: Voice America Sports.
0: And they're off. What? All right,
1: and with me now, one of our uh, favorite uh, handicappers on the show, everybody tells me, and that is Dan Elman from the Daily Racing Forum. Uh, You can see him live on the weekends with uh, uh, DRF.com. He's uh, had a a great career as an author and as as a handicapper. And uh, I know that uh, he, he lives in Brooklyn, New York. And, like, last week I was listening to a former Xavier basketball coach Pete Gillen uh, he, uh, he was calling the University of Dayton Richmond Spiders game the other night and being a native of Brooklyn he started talking about all the great pizza places and restaurants that are there Dan how can you live there and not be 300 pounds
3: well, I balloon up and down. It depends on the weather. If the weather's rainy or snowy, I stay inside and all of a sudden the pounds melt off. And then when the weather's nice, I go out and the next thing you know, I'm eating like an absolute pig. So while I'm looking for the good weather and it's been, I guess, a mild winter, spring's coming up, I'm going to have to start showing a little bit of self-control. Well, you you look good on TV. They say put
1: weights on you. It doesn't doesn't look that way from what we see on on DRF Live. I've got to ask you a question. Uh, This is from Out of the Blue. Um, I I saw a release this week that uh, the Daily Racing Forum has a new director of sales by the name of Robert Forback. Have you had a chance to meet
3: him yet? not yet um, uh, i've heard some really good things and we're very excited about a lot of the advertising opportunities at drf especially through video i think it's a really great way to to reach uh to reach potential customers and uh, we love talking about horses breeding farms etc so uh you stick your name on drf.com we'll talk about you
1: Well, I'll tell you what, uh, when you do get a chance to to meet Robert, just say, hey, aren't you the guy that used to photo-bomb John Englehart when he was filming a stretch run in Cincinnati? (laughs) And didn't you once intern at River Downs, and Englehart would force you to walk the pony in the paddock? (laughs) So we go back the I don't want to get in trouble. I want to get off on the right
3: foot, John. (laughs)
1: <laughs> he he developed into a really sharp guy uh you're gonna like him you're gonna like him he, he's right up your rail he really enjoys playing the horses i mean he his forte is sales but let me tell you he can handicap and he and his father have uh, found themselves qualifying for quite a few contests over the years so uh when, when you bump into robert Forbeck, uh, tell him his old mentor john Engelhart said hi certainly will now, I um, want to get your read, Dan Illman, um, on some of these really great uh, East-West matchups in the making. Of course, on the boys' end, Mohamed versus Nyquist. And it looks like, I, you know, I, I figured they'd try to stay apart before the Derby, but with that million-dollar bonus from Phasic Tipton, it looks like uh, O'Neill's going to take Nyquist uh, down to meet Mohamed in Florida.
3: It's refreshing to see a a major head-to-head matchup before the Kentucky Derby because we have all these prep races that the good ones often go off as short price favorites, and they reach their goal, and they move on, and they reach their goal as a short-priced favorite. And then the heavy hitters finally face uh, each other in the Kentucky Derby. But we're going to get a marquee matchup in the Florida Derby. I'm really looking forward to Nyquist versus Mohamed. They're head and shoulders, the top three-year-olds in the country. Uh, Boy, it's it's a pick right now. You could say the horse for course is Mohamed. But something tells me that this Nyquist... He is, he's kind of underrated, even though he is the two-year-old champion, even though he is undefeated. It seems he doesn't get the press that Mohamed gets, and I have a feeling he's just as good, if not better. I'm expecting Nyquist to put on a, a very good performance in the Florida Derby.
1: Well, uh, before Heyman uh, you know, had this meteoric rise, uh, I was thinking at the end of the Breeders' Cup last year that it was, there was going to be a great rivalry on the West Coast between Swipe and Nyquist. It's a shame that uh, Swipes had some physical setbacks, and we're probably not going to see him for a while uh, because, you know, I think he ran second to Nyquist at least four times when
3: they were two-year-olds.
1: I was looking for a nice alley dar firm, but who knows what we'll have after the Florida Derby.
3: Well, the problem with the, the budding rivalry between Swipe and Nyquist, and, of course, you mentioned the unfortunate injury that Swipe uh, has, uh, has, uh, has undergone, but at the end of the day, it's tough to have a rivalry when one horse keeps beating the other. <laughs> and Nyquist keeps getting the better of Swipe, so you know if Swipe comes back I'm sure he's gonna be looking for revenge, but uh he's got a long way to go to even the score.
1: I, I kept thinking though he it always looked like he was coming late. I always thought that a little extra ground might get him by Nyquist, but it never it never did happen. Well let's move to the ladies' side of things. We're talking with the Daily Racing Forums Dan Ellman, um and we've got uh, she hasn't uh, blossomed yet this year, but we're going to see Songbird, last year's champion, take on a horse who's uh, had almost freakishly performances uh, in Catherine Sophia. I mean, she just, the longer it gets, and, and the fashion in which she wins, she looks like she's something else, Dan.
3: She certainly is. I mean, her combined margin of victory, we're we're looking at 41 lengths. She won by seven lengths the other day. She hasn't taken a deep breath. Now, she also hasn't faced uh, top-notch competition, and she's going to have to stretch out around two turns for her very next start. But, boy, just by watching her run, and she was a little bit green in her first couple of starts. She did everything perfectly last time. She rated off a very slow pace. She waited patiently for the jockey uh, to push the button. And once the jockey pushed the button, boy, she finished it in a matter of strides. It looks like she has a tremendous amount of potential, but Songbird's the champion. She's the deserving champion. We'll see her Saturday. She'll go off odds on again in the Santa Isabel. And Catherine Sophia's good. I'm not sure she's at Songbird's level just yet. Uh, if they matched up tomorrow, I'd take the champ. I would too, but
1: it is interesting because I've had a chance to watch
3: this Catherine
1: Sophia run, and it just seems like all of her races have been one in hand. She just gets shown the whip and just, takes off I, I, I don't know i don't know where the bottom is she is uh, out of a mineshaft mare and she's got uh street boss on the top it'll be very interesting now uh she's a, trained by john service we've certainly heard that name before uh, but back in new york this weekend i think we were going to be hearing a lot of guys from the daily racing farm talking about i believe his slightly older brother james service who's going to be going into the legendary gotham stakes with sunny ridge a horse that uh, certainly looks like he likes aqueduct and uh, can handle a mile on the 16th easily
3: It's a really nice rags-to-riches story. Here's a New Jersey bred that was dangled in for $40,000 for his career debut, and now he's turned into a grade-three winner and a grade-one-place horse. He was second in the Champagne last year. He gave that good three-year-old exaggerator all he could handle in the Delta jackpot, and he was solid last time out winning the grade-three withers. He is the most accomplished horse in the Gotham on Saturday. I love his tactical speed. I just get the feeling we've seen his best race, though. And we're looking at a couple of three-year-olds in here that have a ton of upside, but Potential. Horses like Chagoff for Chad Brown, who I think will probably go off the favorite two-for-two two in his career, getting a class and distance test for the first time. Also, Adventist, a horse that Sunny Ridge beat last time out in the Withers. I think Adventist might be offer a little bit of value. He won his debut by the length of the stretch, sprinting. In the withers, he broke slow. He was rank. He was wide. In the stretch, he must have bumped four or five times with the beaten favorite flexibility, and he still was running at the end of that race. I think Adventist, with that race under his belt, is going to show a lot of improvement in the Gotham, and maybe he's the one at the right price.
1: Yeah, I was going to ask you about that, because the the Racing Forms running line said race green and shied from the whip.
3: I'm not sure if that tells the whole story. He was a little bit green. He did not break well. He was pulling Kendrick Carmouche going into the first turn. They were way off the rail on the back stretch. And then in mid stretch, maybe he shied a little bit from the whip. It didn't help when flexibility kept drifting out and he was drifting in and they just banged off each other three, four times in the stretch. And for a lightly raced horse trying two turns in a major class test for the first time, again, he was running at the end of that race. Uh, he's going to need to improve. It's only his third lifetime start, but Lear Jarmati has really done great work at the inner dirt meet here at Aqueduct. I don't know. I think that Adventist deserves another chance with a clean run. That 85 buyer speed figure puts him right in the mix.
1: Um, coming up from Florida, Conquest Big E. And, of course, the combo of Pletcher and Velasquez, they're leaving uh, the warm weather in Florida to come up and visit you. They got Mo Power in there. It seems like everywhere you look, you're either seeing a Mo Power or a Tappet taking down a three-year-old race.
3: Remarkable! You've got three Uncle Mo's in the Gotham alone. Lobon, the maiden, who is expected to set the pace. He's down towards the inside. You've got Mo Power, who's also cross entered in an allowance race on Sunday. We'll see where Todd decides to go. And you've got Rally Cry, the other Todd Pletcher horse, who, uh, while beaten by Shagoff last time out, he did not have a clean run. He was completely shut off on the inside, entering the backstretch, had to come the long way around, turning for home. He's a horse that's still learning, and I would expect he'd be close to the pace. Uh, of those three, I wonder if Mo Power has the best long-term potential. Maybe not in a race like the Gotham or the race on Sunday where he'd have to face Matt King Cole and a couple of other promising three-year-olds, but this is a big, good-looking son of Uncle Mo, and distance is what he wants, and he really improved when when, uh, given an opportunity to stretch out around a mile last time. He's interesting. Uh, It'll be interesting to see if he runs in the Gotham.
1: Is there word that that, uh, he may not?
3: Well, he's cross-entered on Sunday, and that uh, non winners is one other than Optional Claimer at Aqueduct, and that's a, a pretty salty race. And it'll be interesting to see if Todd wants to take it slow, running that one X maybe as a prep for the Wood, or run him in the Gotham because he also has Rally Cry.
1: Yeah, and uh, certainly the, the the Wood will always uh, end up being a, a great prep. But, boy, you think about the Gotham over the years, going back to its very first running that was uh, captured by by Native Dancer. I mean, the other horses, you know, that you've had come out of this race, like, uh, you know, Secretariat, uh, Verbatim, uh, just a a lot of good horses got their start in in the Gotham. They didn't always win the Derby, Mogambo, Gone West, and, of course, the great
3: easy-goer came out of this race.
1: So you just never know what the Gotham will produce.
3: No easy goer I remember vividly because I think he flew something like a mile. I think it was a mile back then at Aqueduct over the main track, a one-turn race, and, and he just aired something like 132, and you could tell that he was a very fast and talented horse um, in that race. A secretariat, of course, ran in the Gotham as well. So you've it's unfortunately been watered down a little bit because we have so many preps, but there have been good horses. I Want Revenge, I remember one the Gotham in 2009. It looked like he was going to be on his way. Um, you know, before he got hurt. But again, as you mentioned, there have been so many good horses that have won the Gotham. I remember Lure and Devil is Due battling to a dead heat in '92. That was an extremely thrilling running uh, of that race. And you mentioned Mogambo. Some really, really top horses have won this race. But Secretary in '73, Doctor Fager '67, lot of nice horses.
1: And re- recent days, uh, 2001 Day Thursday and uh, the the champion uh, Hanson. Uh, was in there in 2012. Well, uh, we could, just covered uh, the New York big race on Saturday. I'm going to take a little bit of an early uh, break here, and we come back, we're going to knock out some races at Gulfstream Park, uh, some that have been impacted by the quarantine down at And so the field's a little bit shorter than what we like when we handicap and looking for value. We're talking with Dan Elman from the Daily Racing Forum, and we'll be right back on Winning Ponies. A beauty. It's a five ball deep right field. thought goes O'Neal. He's up to got it With 2.8 seconds he's left he's to left. I don't care where they put him. This one is out
0: of here. From high school to the pros, we, we cover, everything. cover everything. Let your voice be heard. Voice America Sports. And they're off. What? Can't make it to the track?
1: all right, uh, back here on Winning Ponies. We've got Dan Elman from the Daily Racing Forum. Um, let's start right out of the box with uh, a horse and a race that we've already talked about. Uh, I probably mispronunciating this name, but it's the Mac. D'Armita is what I'm calling it. It's one and three-eighth miles on the turf, kind of a different distance. As a matter of fact, from what I see, um, there's only two horses in here that, uh, oh, no, I'm wrong. There's a couple that have won at the distance. But the horse we are talking about was the Big Hoss, and we will talk about him. But the, the horse that seems to have the biggest amount of back class is Twilight Eclipse, uh, who's closing in on the $2 million mark. Now, he's seven years old. We don't know if some of the shines come off his apple. But uh, l- let's go back uh, and briefly talk about Dr. Harvey Diamond's horse, the, the Big Hoss. It's amazing the turnaround this horse has taken after being claimed for $50,000. He's now won over 700000
3: It's a remarkable claim, and it's testament to Michael Maker and the connections, because they claim this horse with obviously an eye to stretching him out to longer distance. They must have saw something with the big hoss and said he wants to go long, because when he was with Wayne Catalano, he was a middle-distance animal. He was running well at a mile and a mile and a sixteenth. Maker claims him. He stretches him out to 11 furlongs and beyond, and bang, he's a multiple-graded stakes winner. And this is a horse that, when you watch him run, you get the He can be a major player in these longer-distance turf races in 2015. He's had a couple of starts now this form cycle. The W.L. McKnight, a race in which he finished behind Kai gun you can draw a line through that race. He was wide every step of the way, and he was running on at the end, and he proved his superiority over kaigan last time out in the Connolly. Now, he got a perfect trip under Florent Giroux, where he saved ground every step of the way, and he just shot up the inside, but boy, he was running in the stretch. The Big Hot is a very, very dangerous and very logical contender in the MAC Diarmada, It's an interesting race. You mentioned uh, Twilight Eclipse, and this race could come down to pace. There doesn't appear yes, to be a lot and of speed on pace. My question is,
1: where is it? Is it, the, is it Grand Tito? Uh, who, who, is, who is the pace in here?
3: Well see the Tito and maybe Oprado Ole, a horse that's shown the ability to go to the front in the past. I wonder if he makes the front Twilight Eclipse and all included who's stretching out in distance for the first time. They'll be close. But if this race turns into just a, a, a walk, a parade down the back stretch where they're going very slow, it could set things very well for Twilight Eclipse because The Breeders' Cup Turf, A, he's overmatched, B, his tactical advantage was destroyed the minute that rabbit opened up a 25-length lead, and C, if there's one drop of rain on the turf course, he can't stand up on that. There's something about it. He doesn't like any kind of give in the ground. You take that Breeders' Cup Turf away, it's a remarkable record for an underrated horse. He has, what, 11 consecutive triple-digit buyer speed figures. He's a very cool horse, Twilight Eclipse. It's a shame that in most of his races, he finds one better than him every time, but he's likely going to get the jump on these horses turning for home
1: yeah I mean uh, you think about his nightmare in 2014 every time he'd enter in a race he'd get the overnight and there'd be main sequence in there
3: there'd be main sequence, and then last year he gets Big Blue Kitten, and when he showed up in the Sword Dancer, there's Flincher. So, you know, he is a very, very good horse. He doesn't get the credit he deserves, and again, if this race comes down to a very slow pace over a very uh, firm turf course, you might want to consider him. I'm very curious, and and the horse that I landed on in here is Mr. Maybe, and like the horse I picked in the Gotham Adventist, I wonder if this horse is going to end up being the wise guy horse that goes off a bit undervalued. Mr. Maybe was privately purchased after that win three starts back and he just exploded in his first two starts for Chad Brown. And I know they were against weaker horses, although he did beat Kai Gun, a real solid horse in this race in the Red Smith handicap, but this horse appears to have a future. And, and, and Chad, after the Red Smith said, we're just going to take him to Florida and we're just going to let him cool down and we'll, gear him back up and we're hoping for a big year. I have a feeling Mr. Maybe's going to fire. Maybe if there's no pace, he'll be up against it, but this is a horse to watch uh, for major stakes races this year, maybe races like the Manhattan on Belmont Stakes Day.
1: Uh, I love your memory of these races and I love your analysis, Dan Elman from the Daily Racing Formal. Well, let's go to another grade two that's going to be on the Gulfstream card and that is the Gulfstream Park Handicap. A half a million up for grabs. Todd Pletcher has won this race three times. I think he's going forward again. Uh, He's got four starters in the race. But in my opinion, he's going to have to get by this horse, Valid, who's an amazing horse for course who absolutely
3: loves the mile. Boy, he loves the mile, and he loves the mile when he's able to control the pace, and he looks like the controlling speed in here, unless Todd sends one of his foursome out after a Valid on a mission to soften him up. Valid figures to be, uh, if not loose on the lead, controlling things when they enter the turn. He's the horse to beat. He's a really cool horse. As you mentioned, he likes Gulfstream Park a lot, and he's coming off several fast races. He's going to be a fairly short price in here, however, and I wonder. There's one horse in this race that should be a decent price that I've been following for a long time, and I wonder if maybe maybe I'm 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 just wishing with this horse. But the number four Blofeld, I think, is going to run a much improved race on Saturday. He started his career off, and he was a good two-year-old. He won his first three starts, a couple of graded stakes races. He got hurt after the Nashua. He comes back sprinting over a wet track. I think six furlongs is a little sharp. I know he won the Futurity at six, his debut at five. But even in those races, it looked like the jock scrubbing on him, he wants a little bit more ground. They ran him in the Dwyer. Obviously, something physically went wrong because he went away for a long time. His last line doesn't look like much. It was a six furlong race at the end of January. He showed no speed. He was far behind. But John Velasquez let him run at the end, down towards the inside. And he did show some interest, and he did gallop out nicely. And the winner of that race, Candip, came back to run second to XY Jet last week with a big number. I have a feeling that stretching out to a mile in his second start of the form cycle, we're going to see a lot better from the four, Blofeld. He's a horse I would fool around with, with your logical horses like Valid. And, of course, the horse coming out of the Don Handicap uh, along with Valid. It's a knockout.
1: And uh, he's going to get to drop seven pounds off his last effort, so he gets in with a feathery uh, 114. Of course, he he was a big wow horse back in 14, but as you said, uh, he's had some soundness problems, but, uh, you know, Pletcher wouldn't be sending him back out there if he thought there was any problem that would cost him his career. And the last race was evenly run, and like you said, uh, then that's why we have you on. You've got the eyes on these horses that uh, he he made a strong finish uh, through the lane. Well, let's go on to a horse uh, race that was shortened because of the Payson Park quarantine. And uh, this one, Chad Brown, has uh, three horses in there uh, with foreign backgrounds. And what's interesting, Dan, is the two of them from Chile have experience racing against each other uh, Da Cita and Guapaza.
3: You've got a feel for Guapaza. Because once Decida left to come to North America, Guapaza became a terror down there. She won her last three races. She was the queen. But when she faced Decida, when Decida was in South America, she could never beat her. So, Guapaza is going to walk into the paddock on Saturday and she's going to do a double take when she sees Decida. <laughs> because all of a sudden, she's going to be like, I have to beat this one again. <laughs> Deceit is the, obviously the uh, most well-regarded of the three Chad Brown trained horses. Heck, she beat Teppan in, in the Boston Spa or North American debut, and I don't think she liked that wet turf course in the Breeders' Cup last time out. She's way the horse to beat in the very one, but if I would take a shot against her, it might be with a horse named Olorda, the third of the Chad Brown uh, trio. She's only run a couple of times in North America. They ran her once in the Belmont Oaks, and, and what an introduction in North American racing. She has to Run against the superstar lady Eli first time out, so I'll be forgiving uh, in that race. She runs in the QE2 Cup, and that was an interesting race where she was sandwiched a bit at the start and was wide, and she finished evenly. It wasn't a superstar effort, but she earned a good figure, a, a figure good enough to contend in a race like this. And last time out in the Matriarch, she was never going to win that race, but she would have finished a lot closer than twelfth if she was not sandwiched in between horses at about the three sixteenths pole. I don't think O'Lorda is a star. But this is the kind of race with no pace, and if you and I went back and watched a couple of her earlier races in Europe, she could be close to the pace if Julian Leperu allows it. I think the number two quiet kittens going to go to the lead. That's a filly that's going to be tested for class. In a perfect world, for, for as an Olorda backer, I want to see her sitting just second. Turn this race maybe into a sprint turning for home. It's possible she's not as good as Decida, but she's going to be a better price, and I think there's at least something here ability wise.
1: And it it, it is amazing how it it seems like Chad Brown is like the new go-to guy, because I believe I read in the form that the extremely talented Flintshire is going to enter his barn.
3: And and Flincher is a remarkable story. This is a horse who arguably ran the turf race of 2015 in North America when he won the Sword Dancer, his only start in the States. He destroyed some pretty good horses up at the Spa. Now, this is a horse that's earned a, a tremendous amount of money. He's raced in all the big races worldwide, but it seemed every time he would run overseas, he'd run against Trev or he'd run against Golden Horn, and he would always run second in those races. If he comes over here and Chad gets him Right. he's the kind of horse that you can get excited about that might run the table in North American racing. He could have a giant year.
1: It'll be very interesting. Well, I've time to close the, the show out. I, I will say that, uh, yeah, of course, uh, go on DRF.com uh, daily, sometimes m- several times daily, and uh, neither uh, Dan Hillman and I are sure what we're going to see. i only got 30 seconds left, but the debut of the Matt Bernier Show, 12 o'clock on Friday.
3: It's the greatest mystery since Al Capone's tomb. No one knows what we're going to get, but I'm expecting it will be a lot of fun.
1: <laughs> I'm sure he will. He's a, he's a class act, and I love the one the two of you play off each other. Well, we've been talking with Dan Elman from the Racing Forum. Dan, thanks so much for being on again. Really appreciate
3: your time. Always a pleasure, John. Thanks a lot.
1: All right, I also want to thank uh, Dr. Harvey Diamond and our producers here at Winning Ponies. That'll close out the show overlooking the manicured turf course past the Ohio River to the hills of Kentucky. Remember, when you go to the races, bet with your head, not over it.
0: Thanks for listening to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. We know the information from today's show will help you at the next post. Keep listening for more next Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Network.